Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. They're going to make you defend that mother guy, that one guy, and then they're going to go off of that. Yeah. Man, you're a bad influence on my son. I know. He's never done this before, right? It's just around me. I don't know how I do it. Oh, yeah, we're back, baby. That's right. The bad influence is back himself. That's right. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see we're sitting at a news desk right now. I feel very NBC professional right now. I really do. Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid, Unbuttoned Podcast. Yes, Divisional Monday Reaction Podcast. Unbelievable fucking weekend. Unbelievable. I'm hoarse because I was yelling at the TV. Throughout the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, didn't matter. There was so much action. Every game had its own flavor. Hello, Ahmed. How are you? Hello, Chris. How are you doing? I'm well. Well, we're playing an away game in honor of the great performances by the away team. Right. In all but one of the games, although yeah. the Bills, that was a great performance yeah. in Kansas City, even though they didn't win. We're going to play an away game here. Yeah. Uh, it's a different spot because they shipped our desk to, to the LA. Super Bowl. It was like our, our desk is in L.A. before we are. Right. I mean, I know. I don't know. I guess it's you know, it doesn't take fa- it doesn't go first class in, in the airline, so <laughs> I, they got to send it out there now. <laughs> but yeah, we're over here. I've been doing my shows at the PFT with Floria at this desk too. Yeah, how does it feel? Well, it's it's different always. I feel bad because there's people working around the area here, and I go, yeah. "Oops, I just hit the light." Oh, oh, you just what turned you it out. Oh, see now if you're watching Let's on see YouTube if I do. or on Peacock. You see Uh-oh. that Chris has full control of Hold the lights on. with his feet. Hold on. So he, got, all I he's got to do is he's got to move do. his foot in another direction. That's all right. This is just this is what happens. You play you play through Could the conditions. Keep it. Pete goes, keep we're it. keeping this. We're not restarting. All right, but hold on. Why can't I get this to go on here? Come on. I don't think we know what we're doing. I don't, That's we're why. Not. I'm messing up. I'm hitting every button now, guys. Well, I don't that, know what to say. Well, you're going to turn off like the camera. Oh, oh some lights that, came back on. No, no lights came nope, back on. Nope. Sorry. I don't I'll know I'll describe what this. Hit. I'll do like the radio broadcast. Okay, Chris is looking at his feet. He's trying to get the right lights. They have gone on, and now they've gone off again. I'm hitting Chris midday. looking back at his feet again. There are a bunch of cords down there. Hold on a second. Let's just get. Oh, I got it. Okay, we got it. We're we got good. It. That's good. We're you good. good with that. Yeah, we're good. All Pete's right. Like Pete's like, we I were can't keep this whole thing. He's like, we were going to keep this whole thing, and now it's getting weird. But now he goes, let's keep it. The whole building's Olympics was my point, and that's exactly. why I've been sitting here. Now that was nice, great. My knee hit the light. Let's talk about football. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that again. You're showing some favoritism, huh? On this podcast, why huh? Do you say that. Wearing red. I mean, two teams wearing red. One. You're going North Niners. Was it more for the Niners or more for the Chiefs? More for the Niners. Oh, know. okay. I'm a big All Patrick right. Mahomes guy, but yeah. more for the Niners. All right. My, Just uh, wanted to make sure. Area love and my anti Aaron Rodgers. 
Chargers sentiment because I'm a Detroit Lions fan. As oh, well. right. So, like so a, you enjoyed that to see him lose. Double win. We'll get to that game <laughs> yeah. a little bit later on. Of course, we're going to get to all four games, but we have to start with the game of the century, <laughs> which we say that a lot in a lot of different respects. But I mean, this one was incredible. Game Let's, of the decade so far. Game of the decade. Let's give it so that far. for sure. Hundred percent. Game of the decade, one of the best divisional games we've ever seen in the history of football. Right. The, let me just say this, just so you know, the greatest quarterback duel I've ever seen. Greatest quarterback duel I've ever seen. When you talk about the way the game was played, the, how both of these teams are both so formulated around the quarterback. The quarterback's got to be the guy to make the plays. We've orchestrated the offense around the quarterback anyways. They answer at every bell. You know, defenses that do outside-the-box things on both sides of the ball. Never any, like, iffy decisions, mistakes, anything like that. The game was played clean with two of the most talented guys we've ever seen in the history of the sport of quarterback. They're the two best players in football right now. I know that doesn't mean they win the MVP, but when they're on their A game, there's nobody better than these two. The reason they're not going to win the MVP is because they did not play their A game every game this year. Rodgers did. Rodgers, on his best day, though, is not as good as these two guys. These are the two best players in football, and what they did was absolutely amazing. I mean, one, hey, yeah, get the completions from the normal rhythm of the offense. Oh, hey, good job. Way to go. Like, hey, nothing's there, and you're not protected. Hey, you still got the normal what we expected from the offense, even though the play was shit, and we didn't block anybody and nobody's open. We got a 15-yard gain. How many times can we watch it? No dicey decisions. Perfection, really, from both sides. Don't talk to me about arm strength's not important anymore, anybody. Come on. What do you got to see? What do you need to see? How many lasers around the field do we have to see from awkward positions? And, you know, so come on. It's important. It's kind of a, kind of a thing. I mean, they, they were amazing. I, I just really, I think the more the time goes on, the more this game will be remembered. And uh, I really do. I mean, I mean, I know you think I'm being bold there. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a quarterback duel with that high quality of play, wow. that many jaw-dropping plays and throws from two guys, not only carrying it with their right arms, but then carrying it with their legs, too. I, n- I never saw a game like that. All right, I didn't think Ryan Tannehill was that good, but I guess apparently, <laughs> you know, okay, obviously. Uh, Chiefs beat the Bills 42-36. Yeah, both guys go well over 300 yards. Four touchdowns for Josh Allen, three for Patrick Mahomes. They both led their teams in rushing as well. Uh, no interceptions. I think it was the first such game that we've ever seen in the playoffs, and then they both got it. It may have been the first time we've seen that in the regular season, too, where they've thrown for that many yards, that many touchdowns, no interceptions. I believe so. Team in rushing. Right. It just, you're, like you said, almost perfect performances from both quarterbacks that ended in overtime that a lot of people are, are upset about. We'll talk about that in a second here. Yeah. Uh, but here are the numbers for, for both those guys. They were awesome. It was amazing. 25 points in the final two minutes. That's a playoff record. And then, Kristen, I think we have the win probability graphic that uh, you probably have seen if you've been on Twitter. It's like a, uh, a heart meter. And that was all of our, that was our hearts at the end of the game. We're like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I never said wow or oh, my God or uh, holy shit or what the. Uh, so many times in the end of a football game, it was unbelievable. It really was. I mean, again, the plays that both teams made. And then, I mean, just look at a little look into my life. I was sitting there next to my wife, who is a very casual football fan, and my little boy, who, of course, is a diehard Mahomes fan, right? Uh-huh. And it just, to speak to your emotional roller coaster, it was all, my wife was yelling at the screen. 
oh my gosh, this is amazing. These two are amazing. My little boy was crying, then happy, then crying, then happy. He's a big Mahomes and then, Oh, he's a big, he was crushed. He loves Josh Allen, but when it came down to these two, he wants Mahomes. And he's going to the Super Bowl this year, so he wants to see Mahomes at the Super Bowl. That's the thing that's playing into it. But, I mean, just delivered to all the goods. It really did. And I don't think I've ever seen, again, that's where I get into it. We've seen games like this where it's a good shootout where, hey, it's two awesome quality football teams and they're going back and forth. But usually only one quarterback's on fire doing magic. And the other one's like, hey, it's a good team with a good quarterback, but this is just a great game. This was magic matching magic. These are two guys that I think, again, look at each other, have great respect, and understand, like, I'm a little threatened by that guy because he infringes on my I'm supposed to be the freakiest guy in the field territory. I think there is a real rivalry here. This has, like we said last week, this has Manning, Brady written all over it, except they have greater physical physical tools than Manning or Brady, and that's where it's different altogether. But, like, amazing. Amazing, Ahmed. And I think the other thing I come down to, again, in such a close football game, The one thing I look at is, hey, yeah, the quarterback play was phenomenal. The other thing I'll go back to in a game with lack of, you know, lack of mistakes to really point at is, uh, you know, looking at the game, I, I still think what separates the Chiefs and the Bills is something that I said early in the year. The Chiefs just have a few more dudes or a few more studs on their team than the Bills do. Just a few more difference makers. Not to say the game isn't obviously really deadly close. But I do think that the, between Hill and Kelsey, those two consistently can always depend on them. Who's going to be the third guy on the offense? And then they have defensive star playmakers to me that put them over the edge. Josh Allen had the rougher night than Patrick Mahomes did. Josh Allen's protection was less than than Mahomes. Mahomes ran and scrambled a lot, but a lot of time he was protected, and he just moved around in the pocket and waited for people to get open. Allen, how many times did he draw back and we went, holy fucking shit, the dam broke, and then he still got out of it. So it just was amazing that way. But the, my point with being is I do think the star power of the Chiefs helped them get over the edge. The Chris Jones, the Melvin Ingrams, the Frank Clarks, you know, like we talked about the offensive stars, they're just they have a hair more to offer than the Bills, which I would yeah. just wish they would get one more splash, sexy player on each side of the ball, and they'll be in the Super Bowl. Numbers-wise, though, the Bills' defense on paper – was the tougher defense all Get year you. in the NFL. Tobias Kober saying, how the hell can you say that Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes or take Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes when he straight up beat him and played against the number one defense? Well, I mean, come on. What's that? First off, you know, I understand the question. That doesn't always mean anything. I mean, it, does, it doesn't mean anything. You know, so, so what? I mean, Brady beat Rodgers in the NFC Championship last year. He didn't, he didn't play better than him. Yeah. Jimmy G played like shit. Is he better than Rodgers? I mean, we saw that game. The 49ers won. So, God, let me, do, let me redo my rankings. Hold on. Jimmy G's the top five quarterback. He won. So, like, that's where I want to get into, like, my man Tobias and yeah. go, listen, I, I understand your thought, and that's real. And the Bills in totality, the defense is better. You yeah. just heard me say, though, if you break it down, I don't think it's all that, you know. Again, the Bills is good. You're asking me what D-line I'm taking? I'm taking the Chiefs D-line. I'm taking Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram over Ed Oliver you know, Jerry Hughes and, you know, Gregory Rousseau. Sorry. So there goes that. Middle linebackers, okay. I'll give it to the Bills. Yes. It's not by a huge margin. Secondary, safety's got it with the Buffalo. Corners, 
I'm going with the, the Chiefs corners. Again, it's about the matchups. And don't look at it that way. And I said right now, I think Tobias is referring to something I said on PFT today. First off, they're, we're talking about yeah. like smidgens. Well, it's almost, You're talking about the two guys, Chris Sims. Is, is, I'm here doing this podcast and who I am in this, because I stood on the table for these guys. So it's, it's not a yeah. love loss or I'm trying to comp- – they're both the best players in the sport. It's I'm just saying right now Allen has got a smidgen a lead in front of for me but over Mahomes. But after a game like that, it's almost borderline disrespectful to try to separate the it two. Is, it is. They're, they're so both, they're they're amazing. both, so they're like both in a stratosphere to. by themselves. Yes. I think that's what we need to say. And that's what I would like to say. And it's the first time ever I came away from a game going, damn, I feel bad for either quarterback if they're going to lose. Like, really, when we were sitting in overtime and they went for the coin toss, I was going, I'm going to feel bad for whoever loses in this game. To play that type of style of football, that quality at quarterback, and then lose is just that it doesn't get any worse. That's gut wrenching. Uh, I think we have a photo of the passing chart for both these quarterbacks here in this game. It just showed the, the high level of difficulty for each of these because. You know, there are some times where Patrick Mahomes had to dink and dunk, and he had to do his fair share of that again, but he's going down the field, and Josh Allen's certainly going downfield. But real Brandon Lake says, damn okay to Patrick Mahomes for all the struggles him and his team went through this season. He showed up clutch in the biggest moments of that Bills game. That sidearm throw that he made to Tyreek in the first quarter was unreal. That was insane. I know, the one right underneath Gregory Rousseau's (laughs) armpit there. That's where he's special. You know, that's where... I give him an advantage over Josh Allen. Those type of throws, that stuff, you know, Allen can do them too, but he's better than Allen in that department. You know, running the football, I give the advantage to Allen a little bit because they can call design runs and run them like Cam Newton, yet along he can scramble and do the things Mahomes can do there. But, yes, I mean, it was just one high-level, oh-my-gosh, missile after another from both guys. And what you saw too is, you know, what we've – Mahomes at his finest, Mahomes in playoff football, knowing who he's playing against, and Josh Allen, who's hot as hell, and that Bills offense is hot as hell. We question about Mahomes. Can he be patient? He's answering questions for us at the end of the season here. He's showing great patience, showed patience last night. Both quarterbacks did. I think that's what makes these guys special again. I know I'm, I'm going back here to this just because it's like – uh, it's rare to be that type of gunslinger and playmaker and then not really make mistakes ever either. And this is a new thing. Rodgers kind of set the bar as being that guy, and these guys have this talent to do the two where they can be surgical, they can buy time, they can manipulate coverage with their ability to move eyes and do, you know, move people with their eyes and all that, and they can be patient and wait their time out too. And that's what's uh, unbelievable about both, but really unbelievable by Mahomes because he was a little more impatient throughout the year. Do you feel like with Allen that you're like the guy who liked the indie band and now everyone's jumping on the bandwagon, and you're like, I was here first. I was here first I, with Josh Allen, I, and now you've got competition in the league. Well, I, I don't. I mean, everybody knows who's the king of that club. I'm the king of both of these clubs, yeah, so you can't really go by. Fringe on you well, right I, now. well, I They're feel like, like more I like a Josh proud Allen. papa now. I almost feel like that. Like, I'm watching highlight shows last night, and it's the first time I turn it on, I go, people, they finally saw it. I don't know what it was, but they had to see last night against Mahomes to see it, to where I'm watching and I'm flipping around and I'm going, Everyone is going, you know, really, Allen's just as good as Mahomes. It's, I mean, he's no, you can't really say Mahomes is better, right? I mean, so, again, it's, we're talking about elite, elite stuff here with both of these guys. But more of a proud papa. I'm not jealous. Get off my bandwagon. Get off my lawn shit. To the point that, uh, that you made about the Stars and the Chiefs and yeah. Hill and Kelsey, 
What's going on with Stephon Diggs? Six targets in the game. He had three catches, seven yards. Did have that two-point conversion catch. I know. But it was Gabriel Davis. A little surprising, right? Who was the big guy. Yeah. And maybe that's because partly they're focusing on Stephon Diggs. But this is not an isolated game where Diggs hasn't gone off in a big spot. What's going on there? Yeah, no, I I know. It's, It's, well, I think a little bit of like he's the one guy as compared to Kansas City where you talked about where, the, you know, hey, we'd like to take away Hill and Kelsey, but we can't right. take both. He's re- he is that guy on Buffalo. And, yeah, it's a little too, you know, all on him at times. I don't know. They must have done something in the game. I would love to – that's something Wednesday podcast I'll be able to give you a little bit of an answer for. Yeah. I would think they doubled them in certain situations. Again, as I said just a minute ago, the corners for the Chiefs are better than the corners of the Bills. Uh, but I would think there was something done there by Spagnolo on certain situations to go, wait, well, we got to see somebody else beat us, not just Diggs. Okay. And Gabe Davis stepped up to the plate. I mean, what a, are you kidding me with that game? All the great receivers in the history of football, Gabe Davis, 200 yards, four, four, four touchdowns. Nobody's ever done it in the history of football. Jerry Rice, Moss, none of them. Here's Gabe Davis, second year in the NFL. Hey, nobody's had a better playoff game than me. I mean, it's just absolutely unreal. 201 yards, four receiving touchdowns. All right, take a closer look at that. Yeah. And Pete, make a note of that. Neil watches PFT's got a question on that, and maybe you can cover that a little bit I more. will. I will. I, I, that's something definitely from the Wednesday podcast. I'll break it down. And Spags, as we've talked about, Definitely one of those coaches where, and and I I know you're going to throw a situation. We'll do things outside the box and and double somebody or take them away that way. And that, that's what I'm expecting to see at least when I when I turn on the film. Self scout thyself, Sean McDermott, Grandpa, big dog. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, you were coaching the Bills. Wouldn't you have squib kicked with only thirteen seconds remaining in the game? Yeah, I think a squid kick, squib kick, or the 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 high to the one or high floater to yeah. the that, that to me is certainly probably mistake one you can look at. Totally, I wouldn't squib it. I'd be scared to squib it. Squibbing it first off, there's just, not great control of the yeah, kick. Right, you can end up kicking into a guy on the front line, and all of a sudden you go. We just kicked a squib, and they got the ball at the 40-yard, 5-yard line. So how about that fucking squib workout? Correct. Right? So you kick the sky kick, hope they catch it at the 5, 10-yard line. You rally to tackle them inside the 20, 25-yard line. But the point is, I think what you're getting at is the time was more important. So you do that, and that takes away 6, 7 seconds. And now you go, well, good luck trying to get the two completions you're going to get with you know 6 or 7 less seconds on the clock to, to actually make that happen. You're not going to get it. You're going to no. get one play to maybe get down to the 50. Exactly. Exactly right. And then a Hail Mary. That's that's exactly right. So I think you look at that. Listen, the the first play of now after the kickoff, the little dump off to uh, Tyree Kill, right? That's one where, you know, look at that. I don't have a problem with that one. I don't look at it and go, oh, wow, that was how dare they. They were playing deep. They were protecting the sideline, okay? So they do that. All right, now – you know, what I will say is they overprotected the sideline on both plays. Kansas City's got timeouts. So you don't, like, they're not going to be looking just to attack that part of the, the field. Don't need to. Right. They don't need to. And then with the timeouts, you know, especially on the second play, I just don't know how you can leave such a voided area with the best receiving tight end in football. And that's where I don't understand why there wasn't. You could play the same defense you want. But I would have had one of those guys, hey, get up, man up on Kelsey 
or don't let him release off the line of scrimmage so clean and just get off free. Or you got a guy at least four or five yards off of him, so he can't just catch the ball and run and then go, oh, he gets down, and maybe they can kick a 58-yard field goal or something like that. That, to me, is where they, they drop the ball. And like I said, what I don't understand on that last play especially is the deep protect, protect the medium out route, the 10 to 15-yard out route, protect the deep ball, Hail Mary uh, out route that way, the deep out route there. That, to me, is where they drop the ball a little bit. Too much protection to the sidelines there with, again, a little wiggle room with these timeouts. And Romo made the point on the broadcast, too, which I think was a good one, is that why did the Bills rush four there? You knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to have to get the ball, throw it. You're not going to get to him, probably. I mean, really, in that situation, could you just rush one or two and just drop everyone you see, back? You'll see teams do that. Rush two, right? Have, some, have two or three guys underneath to like disrupt. Don't let anybody just go free. And then he got people down downfield, right? Yep. I, that's a very common approach with what teams do. And, I, again, the four-man approach, you're right. I don't know if it really does anything in that, that manner anyways. You know, Three-man, another guy in coverage, certainly would be one thing you see a lot of teams do. It's a tough one. It really is. But, yeah, I don't think where I – and I need to go back and watch the coaches' film too to really look how they lined up. But just shocked by the free access they gave all the receivers there. I mean, at that moment, what did we have? We had first and 10, right, on the Kansas City 44-yard line. So they're on their side of the ball. There is, right there, there is eight seconds left to, to uh, make something happen. And they have two, ti- or ti- two timeouts here yeah. at this point, right? Yep. So that's, again, where hopefully we'll show some of these clips on Wednesday as far as how they lined up and where they went wrong. All right. So they blew it there. The Chiefs got down 13 seconds with, where the Cowboys needed 14 seconds to do nothing. The Chiefs had two plays and basically 10 seconds. Timeouts. So, okay, they had the timeouts, although I think the Cowboys used their timeouts probably to stop Yeah, the they clock, had to right? do the right they way, but just the fact like that they, they had. Yeah, no, I'm not yeah, blaming them for wasting their timeouts. timeouts timeouts, two plays where, you know, again, too, I think Kansas City looked at it. They saw the play. They knew it was coming on. So they were all ready to get lined up as soon as the play was over as well. It wasn't maybe as scattered as, you know, uh, Brett Pres- Prescott running down the middle of the field. So that took us to overtime. And then one yeah. team got the ball, yeah. one team did not. Yep. And that caused a firestorm. I Twitter. get it. Everyone's tweeting back and forth. I joined the party. I'm tweeting in favor of the current overtime rules because I like that urgency, the sudden death. You know it. Win it in regulation because you know it could come down to a coin toss in overtime. Uh, a lot of people were saying different things than me, saying we should change it. Now is the time to change it. You have been a proponent of these rules for a long time. I have. You said, look, keep them. I like it. Yeah. You, know, you know the rules. You I didn't like the when they changed the rule originally. Yeah. I just thought it's sudden death. I never, I never liked the new rule. Yeah, because if you kick a field goal now, you do get a chance with the ball. And so it's like defense is a part of the game, too. Uh, after this game, are you still feeling the same way? Uh, I've been going slowly in another direction. I think this game is nail nail in the coffin for me, for sure. You know, one, hey, sure, as a viewer, we're all cheated in the fact that, like, listen, a coin dictated who got the ball and who got to win the game. I understand the thought there. In a game where we saw neither quarterback could be stopped, right, especially at the end of the football game. So you're going, oh, man, that's unfair. One guy gets to touch it and the other doesn't. You know, that, that's where I look at it. Now, they need to do maybe something about the coin toss there. 
And I know there's been the talk of, like, how about the home team just gets the ball? So Dean Blandino said that. And I like that. Pete heard that. This yes. is Pete's favorite right. right now. So Pete would vote for this. And I do like that, too, because you know going in, right? You know you're driving your Josh Allen, you're Sean McDermott. You're like, all right, we know that if this game goes to overtime, Chiefs are going to get the ball. Right. And they can Might it. change it if you score really late with four seconds left, whether you want to go for two points or go to yes. overtime, whatever, to know, like, okay, they're definitely going to get the ball. I understand that. I also like rewarding the team that's at home. They earn that throughout the playoffs, so here you go. And now that takes away, like, oh, the coin just dictates it. No, yeah. the play on the field dictated Which, who got the ball in overtime. That point, too, about the coin. Every, everyone's acting like, oh, whoever the coin toss, whoever wins the coin toss was going to win that game because we knew they were going to go down and score a touchdown. That, I'll say, is BS. Yeah, because you didn't know they were going to get a field no. goal with 13 seconds left. Exactly. There's a lot we of them we didn't know. We saw a game that we were like, oh, wow, I can't believe there was more. I didn't know any of those but was going to happen. It was like, oh, I knew that whoever won the coin toss yeah. was going to go down and score a touchdown. Well, yeah, it did happen. And I think what has changed me that. is this. No, we didn't know that. You're right. You know, we knew that both quarterbacks were on fire. Yes. You know, you don't know how long <laughs> they can sustain it. I think the other thing I look at, too, is and what I think slowly has changed me here is the rules of the game. The rules are so favored to the offense now. I don't think it's fair to think that a defense is going to make that stop in these type of situations in a fifth quarter where they're exhausted and we know protecting the quarterback and pass interference and all that is called so easily and can flip field position. Now, thank God none of that happened in this drive, but to that point, Yes, with even limited ability to contact receivers down the field as compared to the old days. You know, that, that's where the game is different, and I do think that's where in those situations the offense is heavily favored because of the way the game plays out this day and age, and that's, I think, another reason that's kind of pushed me over the edge there. And, and the excuse of sudden death keeps everybody to watch the game, no, nobody was turning the fucking channel with the way those guys were playing last right. night. We didn't need sudden death to go, oh, I think who's gonna, this could be it right here. Yeah. If I knew that wasn't going to be it and Josh Allen was still going to get the ball after, I'd have still been, oh, I'm going to sit right here and watch what Josh Allen does. I mean, that was it was unreal. It was a can't-miss TV. I get the argument of it's kind of cool that you know that any time in overtime, once overtime starts, any one play could end it. Like, sure. I get that. That's sure. the argument for sudden death. Is yes. like you keep that urgency as like one play, this thing could be over. Um, but – I'm a, I'm a convert as well. And I was even tweeting in defense of the overtime rules as they are, and then I went to bed and I thought about it a little bit more. What I don't want to get into is it's like, all right, so Mahomes goes down and scores a touchdown, right? Josh Allen goes down and scores a touchdown. All right, now the real overtime begins. Then something has kinda, to be done there. Yeah, that's kind of lame, but this is what I thought, and I thought right. about it in my head. I was like, right. it wouldn't go like that, though, because say that we had the rule that both teams had one possession. All right, so you kick off, or you, the coin toss happens. You're probably going to play defense first, just like they do in college, because you want to know what the other team what you does get, first. Right? right. So, say they do that, Chiefs win the coin toss, they defer, Bills go down, score a touchdown. So then the Chiefs get the ball. Say they go answer and they score a touchdown. No team in that situation is going to kick the extra point. It's just not going to happen. Because, first of all, you, you just show that other team can go down and score a touchdown and move the ball. So, obviously, that offense is clicking. So you're now you're gonna, saying you know, huh? You know these things, huh? Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying if this were to play out this way, yeah, I my got you. worry is that both teams score a touchdown, and now we're just, oh, yeah, now the real overtime begins. The t second team to score the touchdown, they're always going to go for two. Because you know that if you kick the extra point, all the other team needs to do once you kick off is kick a field goal. Yeah, right. Right? So 
I think if you give both teams a possession and one team does score a touchdown first, if that other team scores a touchdown... I think the chances are higher of them going for it, too. I don't think it's a guarantee, but I think you're right. That's probably going to favor that move more times than not. Because you know you're kicking off to the other well, team. Well, especially the way the quarter goal. ended. You're right. The way the fourth quarter ends, you take that information. Yeah. The way overtime went, and now you're going, wait. Are we really going to kick off the ball and like think, hey, defense will stop them this time, even though we're more tired than we were the drive before, right. and they've just been gashing us left and right? I, I think your point's real there, to where the game won't drag on forever. Uh, but I do think you're, we're on to something here. You think it changes? I, think I, it changes? I, think it, I think this might do enough to change it. I yeah. do. Because, too, I think what, it, what the crazy thing is, you know, there's no mistakes to point to anywhere from anybody. Yeah. That's where I think it's harder to swallow than maybe other years where you go, well, oh, this team made a mistake in the fourth quarter, should never got to that. Or they did this and it shouldn't have got – this is one of those games where you go, I mean, there's nothing to look at to go, it should have never got to that. It was just really good football play and unbelievable plays and superstar caliber plays from two quarterbacks, and that's where you, ha- you hate to see it be decided that Let way. Let me just throw a couple of these out here. Yeah. J.K. Lang, UNLV, says, oh, I just lost my computer. There it is. Hold on. Uh, is it really that difficult for the NFL to use the same OT rules as college football? I don't like college football. I don't like college football so. either. I don't. Um, Although I have a way to fix college overtime. Right. At the end of the podcast, if we have time, I'll get into that because I thought about that too. I can fix college yeah. overtime rules. Now, I, I like, like keeping the whole field available. Yes. I don't like starting the ball at the 25-yard line, right. and I'm not a fan of the college football rules either. I mean, you know, you, you can get in danger in these games with these two quarterbacks. Who knows? There's, there's too many things, and I still want to see football played. You still got to manage the field, the field position a little bit, and think about situations that way. I don't like the college rule, nor am I a fan of of like, it's the 75th overtime, yeah. and this game's awesome. It's still going. No, when I watch the games, I go, neither team is that good. It's, it's just mistakes and, oh, shit, great play or horrible tackle. I don't want to see that. It kind of makes it feel like the first 60 minutes of the game was irrelevant sometimes. In that college overtime, you're like, well, it doesn't even matter what happened there because it all came down to – you know, eight possessions or, you know, four possessions or yeah. three possessions in overtime. Kaiser D3 said, OT for playoffs should be 10 minutes on the clock, no timeouts, and teams always have to go for two, no extra points. Whoever has more points at the end is the winner. Thoughts? You know, the problem with football is that you, if you win the coin toss and you get the ball first, you're going to have as many or more possessions as the other team. So there always is kind of a baked-in little advantage. Like, a little advantage for yeah. getting the ball first. Yeah. So it's it's hard to make it super super equal, but I know it's never going to be perfect, nor yeah. is it supposed to be perfect. You know, it's it's not. You know, and again, the thing I always used to complain on to a degree is, I mean, again, you know, these defenses they got million dollar players too. They got to make some stops too every now and then. Uh, but but I understand it, and I do think this is going to be the jump off point to the rules being tweaked a little bit. I think so. Too. And I would think that yes, even if you score a touchdown, they're going to go okay. Other team gets a chance to match it, and they'll figure out how to do it from there on out. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. They didn't need overtime in Tampa, but it almost came down to that again, like all these games did. Uh, let's go to our NBC game. Yeah. Looked like it was going to be a blowout there. I mean, it was a blowout. This was the biggest ass kicking of the weekend. 
Until? Until it was a three-minute three minute game. But, like, I mean, a three-score game. But this was, like, we have, like, games where, you know, you can we could sit here and go, oh, the Titans, you know, maybe they outplayed the Bengals, but they lost the game. And, you know, okay, you can go, hey, the Packers, maybe they should have won. They outplayed the Niners in some way. They should have won the game. This was the team that won the game should have won the game and should have won the game by 40. I mean, this was the biggest ass whooping of the weekend for sure. And again, I know that they made mistakes, and people can sit there and go, "Well, the Bucks forced them; they weren't that special of plays or hits to, to be forced." Uh, Cam Akers, if he played a full season, would have been tackled like that a thousand times during the year and not fumbled. Cooper Cup, a ball in the flat, breaking an arm tackle from a DB. I mean, he's been tackled like that five hundred times this year. Like a shotgun snap, the ball goes over the quarterback's head by thirty yards. I, I mean. A 47-yard field goal is five yards short? Well, that doesn't even fucking happen in the NFL anymore. This was an ass-whooping that it was unbelievable. We were sitting there going, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. And, and really, all you have to do is go, listen, what, what has it been, Pete? Pete might be able to look this up. It's been 30 or 40 years since a team, what, turned the ball over with four fumbles and won the game? You have to whoop a team's ass to turn the ball over four times and still win a game. And that's what they did. They kind of controlled the game throughout until the very end where the mistakes really started to bubble up, and they just couldn't put them away. But you, you break down any facet of the football game, special teams, offense, defense, Rams were the better unit on the field on Sunday, and that's why I'm just glad at least they won the game because that would have pissed me off yeah. if they were that dominant and that much better than the Bucks. And the Bucks still got to go on. To me, again, you know I get scared of. I get scared. I want to see the best championship games. I want to see that. And the Rams, to me, at their best, show that they were better than the Bucks for sure. Yeah, the fact that the first Acres fumble happened at the one-yard line. The one-yard line. Yard right line. You're about to go in. Yes. And then the other one comes when you're milking One-yard line going to be 27-3 to at halftime. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be 27-3. to They eventually got there in yeah. the second half. Right. But then you had the – did you mention the bad snap, too? Going yeah. By, yeah, Stafford and – that was just weird, like Cooper, weird circumstance. I mean, bad snap there. You're already in field goal range. Yeah. I mean, you're already in 37-yard chip shot field goal range, and you don't even get anything. They get the ball. The Cooper Cup fumble. You're around midfield. You're a completion or two away from being in field goal position there. Mm-hmm. The Cam Akers fumble at the one. The Cam Akers fumble, of course, at the end of the football game. Right. I mean, it was just one unreal thing after another. It really was. And credit to the Bucks. I don't want to take total credit away from them. But, again, you know, let's get down to it. I mean, the Rams offense had answers for the Bucks all day long. All day long. They, none of the Todd Bowles blitzes fooled them. We didn't see anybody coming free to Matt, Matthew Stafford. You know, the pregame show, to me, the, the story of the game was what quarterback could get protected. And the Rams won that battle. Not only because their own line played well, but McVay and Stafford had a real plan of attack that made sense. They stayed patient with the run. The play-action passes were there. You could tell they had a real good feel for what blitzes were coming. They always at least had the numbers right and how to protect it. So, And then... Um, let me just say this. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Um, ding, ding, ding. Support matters. Um, ding, ding, ding. Support matters. Oh, see, when you have talent at the quarterback position and now he's got some talent around him, he fucking looks awesome for two playoff games in a row. Yeah. You know, so Matthew Stafford haters, please apologize to him. Let's give the guy some credit. And me. 
And you. I've been Because that's your guy. I know. That's my guy. See, like, you're a proud father for Josh Allen. Right. I feel the same way with Matthew Stafford. Good for you. I got some of that feeling, too, because it's just good to see. I mean, he I've played this, phenomenal yesterday. I've seen this many times where right. he's had a lot of experience coming back in the fourth quarter. Yes. I mean, with the Detroit Lions, he was right. down basically every start that he made. And so he had a lot of experience in those situations. So he has felt the pressure. You know, not in a playoff game like that many times, but... You know, we've seen it down the stretch for Matthew Stafford, even in games where he has not played well. Fourth quarter, final minutes of the fourth quarter, he's made some huge throws. He, huge. Did it again here. Huge. At the end of the game, a big 44-yard catch to Cooper Cup at the end there. Who blew it? Who do we blame? For well, the I think, first one? off, I just go, why? Why are we doing that defense there? What, what, what are we going for the juggler right there at that moment? That's what I don't understand. No timeouts. Why let them get out a free jail card against one of the most talented receiving cores in the fo- in football and go, here's a one-on-one shot with one, just, well, against one of our freaky guys. We'll give you a one-on-one shot. Which one did you want to throw to? Odell? Van Jefferson? Cooper Cup? All of them could beat us on any given play, but we just wanted to make sure you knew it was this play right here. You know, I heard Bruce Arians after the game go, well, one guy didn't blitz. It didn't matter. There was a free guy off the edge. I mean, he had to throw it quick no matter what. He was fading away. He wasn't fooled by it. He knew it was coming. I don't understand the call. And then, of course, what does the call lead to? A guy that's playing safety against the best receiver in football this year? Yeah. Man-to-man? That was a no-win situation. But, again, I think the microcosm there is the Rams had answers for everything the Bucks did on the defensive side of the ball yesterday. Really were never stopped. Only stopped themselves, really, for the most part of the day. And I give McVay and, and, you know, a lot of credit. Didn't run the ball well, but like McVay always does, and I said this during the pregame yesterday, attempts are important for them. Just to, hey, slow down the pass rush for the Bucks. Keep the play-action pass alive. Let your team fire off the ball and impose a little physical will at times instead of always catching and pass blocking, right? So that's where the, the game plan was brilliant. And to your point, what you said, we came in a lot of Mondays towards the last month of the year and went, the Rams are playing good. You heard me say a lot of times, the Rams got everything going except Stafford and the trust tree. And even when he was in the trust tree, he was clutch as hell at some of the end game moments. Ravens game did some dumb shit. Clutch drive to win it. Minnesota Vikings game did some dumb shit. Clutch drive at the game and to win it. You know, 49ers game. You know, tough spot. They're sputtering. Goes down and scores a touchdown and puts him up by seven with a little like a minute left. So he's shown the ability to balance back from adversity. It wasn't his adversity yesterday, but man, that was a beautiful Beautiful throw and clutches it gets to Cooper Cup down the middle. Cooper Cup ends with nine catches, 183 yards, a touchdown. Did lose that fumble. He's got the second most receiving yards in franchise history in a playoff game. Tom Fears back in 1950, 198. Remember that great Tom Fears? Game? I do. Uh, you do you? No, you don't. No, I don't. Okay. I'm a historian, but I can't. I don't remember that one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> fear, the word with fear, Tom Fears. Fear, I mean, there's a day. lot of, you could have a lot of fun yeah. with those names right there. He goes Hall of Famer. Yeah, I knew he was a Hall of Famer. I knew the name, but I can't say that I remember like any of that. Fear the fears. Fear the fears. Cooper Cup now and uh, Matthew Stafford as they are moving on. Matt Gay with a game-winning field goal. Had uh, 
some I, he had an injury too, right? I was listening to the radio oh, the pregame call of it, right? Here. He was gimpy. Yeah, a and it was like pregame, right? It was like almost like what? Oh, what did he do? Did he pull his hamstring? Did he pull a quad? But he had the old like you know straight leg, like I'm gimping around type of thing going on in pregame. But looked looked good kicking field goals, other than the one that. You know, came up five yards short from 47 right. yards. Pete looked it up. He's seen that uh, he got the numbers. Teams with four turnovers are 35 and 173 all time in the playoffs. Wow. A 168 win percentage. The last win was 2014, the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game versus the Packers before the Rams have done it right. against, the, uh, right. against the Buccaneers in the game that they dominated. So now, on the other side of it, Rams are moving on. Now you got the Tom Brady story, yeah, which started to percolate. What the day before this yeah, game? Yeah, maybe a day, but two Schefter days before Friday out, and like, Saturday, oh, it started to come out. Everyone, like, hey, wait a second, right? There's got to be something. This there. might be it for Brady. Yeah, you know, Schefter's a Michigan guy. Brady's a Michigan. That's what guy. I said this morning. I was thinking the same thing. They're right. Connected. Yeah. What do you think is going on there? Mm, I got to think there's something going on. You know, the, the, this doesn't just come out of nowhere. I believe it got started by Rob Ninkovich in the middle of last week. You know, for him to say that, I wouldn't be surprised. That means somebody's told him that knows Brady that they wouldn't be surprised if he said that's it. Whether that's Julian Edelman who talks to Brady, who knows. But I don't think that comes out of nowhere. I think Ninkovich says that knowing that's in the realm of possibilities for Brady. And then it goes from there. And then the fact that no one's just absolutely squashed it tells you it's real. The way Bruce Arians answered it, the way Brady's answered it, Schefter adding to it about uncertainty. Again, it would be easy. Hey, I've been saying all year, I said it last year, I'm playing in 2022. Tough loss today. I'm playing next year, though. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Brady didn't answer like that. I'm going to take it day by day. It's the first time we've heard that. All year, before the year, he was always talking about 2022. I'm playing, and then I'll reassess. So something happened. I don't know what that is. It was a rough day yesterday. That'll definitely be a kind of day where he'd go, maybe I need to retire. I mean, he was under pressure, duress, all game long. The Rams D-line, the stars were unfucking believable in the game. Von Miller, sack, nine quarterback hurries, forced fumble, That's fumble it. recovery. Screw the sacks. The sacks meant nothing. They got Brady in jumpy mode from the first play of the game. First time he dropped back, it was that Brady that we see where we saw in the other four losses this year. You know, kind of get back and he's he's kind of flinching. Like, do I got to duck? Do I got to move up in the pocket? They made him as uncomfortable as could be. And, of course, it didn't help that, you know, their right tackle, who's phenomenal and worse, wasn't there. But regardless, the other guys all got their ass whooped too. So I don't know if Worf makes that much of a difference. They were steamrolling all of these guys. And just a great job of, you know, an occasional five-man pressure. Our four-mans will get there. You could see in the replays, you know, even on plays where Brady looked like he had a little time, you could see he was double-clutching the ball because nobody was open. You know, I think Raheem Morris, his experience in Atlanta – Knowing the Tampa Bay offense and getting to face it a little the last few years before he went to the Rams, I think it came in handy in this matchup. I certainly do. Let alone, this is what's different about the playoffs. And it's where it's like, man, when you have a D-line in the playoffs, they're just those guys all week. We can't win unless you dominate. We can't win unless you dominate. And you're telling that to the most dominant people on earth physically. You're telling Aaron Donald and Floyd and Von Miller who are like, Whenever I've been asked to dominate anything, I do. 
So you want me to dominate this week and we get more money and I can go to the Super Bowl and I can crap on Tom Brady's farewell tour and all that? I mean, that's all they needed. And they just showed up and they were phenomenal. Meanwhile, doing some added to the turnovers, some of the dumb shit on defense. What the fuck is Jalen Ramsey doing on the go route to Mike Evans? What are we doing? Let them throw the ball. They got no time left. Make them work. We're going to give them a one-on-one shot go route down the right sideline to just, hey, score quick so we can get the ratings up for NBC. <laughs> Which we appreciate. We did appreciate. I mean, it was nice that that game was We did appreciate. Late, right? It was. It was, it was big. Do you think there's a chance that Brady, when he watched Antonio Brown take his shirt off and jump around in New York, that he looked at that scene and goes, what am I doing with my life? I, what am I doing with my life? You know, it's funny you're saying that. I kind of said that today a little and I, I don't, again, I don't know, feel it, but I like, maybe he's 44. Yeah, that drama, having to deal with that, you know, getting hit, probably feeling the beat up. I mean, I don't know. It's crossed my mind, to your point. Yeah. It has crossed my mind. There's no doubt. I mean, it's, they have had a an action-packed year there in Tampa. And to end the year, yeah, with that A-B drama and then a loss like this, I expect Brady back. I think we're going to see him more. He's still playing at a really high level. He's still got a great arm. They still got a really good football team. I mean, I think we all can still look at it and go, hey, yeah, they're a good team on the field yesterday. We know that. But they weren't at total full strength. You know, close to it. Certainly still talented enough to where they shouldn't have put up that effort right there. You know, the stats in this game are misleading. They're just they're misleading. You know, because of the turnovers by the Rams and some of the debacle at the end of the football game, you know, I think the stats would be skewed in a much bigger, different direction towards the Rams if it weren't for some of that. But, hey, Brady's team, I'll never, you know, they never die, hard. They never die yeah. easy, that's for sure. I-, I hope he comes back because I think everyone, and I think he deserves like, a send-off. Fa- farewell to I him, agree, right? too. I think that'd be really cool. I'd be disappointed like, if, if he, he got just, away and we didn't really, like, we didn't I really appreciate, like, yes. oh, this might be the last time I see Brady today. I'm with you there. I know. You know, I know I'm looked at Tom Brady hater, and I get it, but that's not the way I feel about Tom Brady. I don't. And I certainly, I'm with you. I like football. I like him too much to want to go, like, I don't want that to be the last time. And I didn't really realize it was the last time. Kind of took for granted we had one more year. Yeah. Uh, but big win by the Rams. Yep. Big win. And not shocked by it. Every team has their kryptonite in the NFL. Every team has their kryptonite. And we've seen the Bucks, even as yeah. talented as they are, like the Saints and Rams have something about their D-line and how they can orchestrate coverages that even gives the great Bucks and Tom Brady some issues. But is the Rams kryptonite the San Francisco 49ers? It's a very valid question. Who they will invite to ding, ding, ding again coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, a game in which it looked like the Rams were going to win last time they played in the regular season. If they had done that, we wouldn't be talking about the 49ers. No, could have got them out. Wouldn't have to be worried about got it. Them out. Wouldn't have had to worry about them ever again. But now the 49ers are coming to L.A. They'll like the temperature there a lot more than what it was. A wind chill of zero degrees in Green Bay. But it didn't seem like the Packers enjoyed that too much either. 13-10 to 10 was the final score. And everyone's talking about, at the end of the, the special teams, gaffes. But I want to I take a moment here and take a stand. Let's do it. And give the damn okay to the opposite side of that. So, Kristen, let's play the song. Damn. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambolizing. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. And it's really funny that, okay, yeah, they messed up on special teams. How could they do that? They lost the game. No, this is what I say. Damn okay 
49ers special teams. Let's give credit to the team that actually made the plays. Richard Hightower. Richard Hightower, fourth season as the special teams coordinator for the 49ers. Friend from Chris Sims, Texas alumni. I've known him since I was 18 years really? old. He was there at Texas with us. Richard, Richard Hightower, a.k.a. Peanut, we called him. Why? He's short, okay? <laughs> short guy. and Bald he head. Kind of had a peanut head. So guys called him Peanut. All right? He, he's probably not going to like this that I'm sharing this with the world. Uh, but didn't have the best year of his career as far as special teams with the 49ers. They had some gaffes during the year. But, yes. They've been good. They've been good. Been as, as a whole, have yes. been great. This year they had a few moments where, yeah, he's taking the blame and going, hey, I'm taking that. I messed some things up, whatever. But you're right. Yeah. Big, big part of the game this weekend. Because Jimmy Ward said that it was Hightower that ID'd the weakness that led to the blocked field goal at yeah. the end of the first half, right. which obviously was crucial in a low-scoring game. Right. And Jordan Willis was the guy, the fifth-year guy, played with the Bengals and the Jets and now with the 49ers. Yep. He blocked the punt. Yeah. Just running over the guard in the center. What did he say? Play. Yeah, he just ran him over, ran and over the center. He right. Also, he was right. the guy that cleared the way on Jimmy Ward's blocked field goal, and he did it all on a high ankle sprain. So, damn okay to Richard Hightower, Jimmy Ward, and to Jordan Willis. They should be getting the credit instead of all this, you know, oh, uh, the Packers blew it. No, someone had to make the play still, and those guys did. And the 49ers training staff are getting that high ankle sprain good and ready to go. Whatever, whatever they injected. Yeah, whoever that, that guy is. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, Packers special teams has been a weakness for them all year. Terrible. You know, we don't talk about it a lot. It's not what we do. I know. It's it's, a, it's an aspect of the game, really, probably we all need to focus on more. We did mention it, though, a couple weeks ago where we talked about Mason Crosby. and how I know. How they've done, yeah, no doubt the about it. They've had issues in all phases of their special teams all year long. And, of course, it just it's reared its ugly head in the worst possible moment. You know, this is one of those games It's you know, it's hard to look at it. You know, you, hey, really, you know, it, 49ers made plays, Packers blew it, whatever you want to say. I, I don't really know. The Packers played good enough to win the football game on offense and defense. That's what I will say. And really with some of the opportunities blown by that, you know, the missed field goal, the block, the block punt, all that too. You know, uh, the Mercedes Lewis fumble early when the Packers had total control and momentum of the game, and there they already are on fringe field goal territory up seven nothing you're going oh wow they might make it ten nothing the way they're moving the ball right now mercedes lewis fumbles huge moments of the football game you know the packers never got the 49ers and garoppolo into you got a throw mode you're you're down two scores it's 13 to three you know it's it's 16 to seven or whatever you know what i'm trying to say here they never got them in that mode to where it was two scores down and and the 49ers had to leave their, their realm of comfort as far as how they wanted to play on the offensive side of the ball. You know, and that's, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Ahmed, the whole year, you heard me say, Packers, good. I don't know how good. I'm not sure if they're the most talented team in the world. You heard me say a lot, right? Can you get to the Super Bowl by just executing and not being the team that makes the mistake during the game? Mm-hmm. And to me, it's very hard to get to the Super Bowl like that because you're in the playoffs. You're going to play a team that makes you not execute all that well sometimes. Or you're going to play a team that is going to cause you to make a mistake because it's playoff teams. They got other great players, and they're coached well too. And see, that's where I got back to it. And again, really, the Packers probably outplayed the 49ers to a degree in the football game. I don't have a problem saying that. 
but they didn't have the playmakers and some of the studs to kind of get them over the edge. And that's what I still go back to. You know, again, we can look at it and go Packers, 49ers. Let's break down the rosters. Who are you taking more positions with? And I think when you break it down, I know we have one team that's the number one seed, and they got Aaron Rodgers. This is what I try to say to people. Like I even said this a little on the pregame show yesterday. We had one team that's good with a great Super Bowl quarterback, another team that's great with just a good quarterback. And you see the team that was great won. Uh, This is, to me, the problem with Green Bay throughout the Aaron Rodgers era. I mean, he didn't play bad to where they should lose just because of the way he played. He plays on a team where if he doesn't play great or just make a few unbelievable splash plays, they can't ever seem to help him out and win in these situations. Shitty as Brady was yesterday and everything like that. There they were. His defense made plays. Everybody, all of a sudden, hey, all all I got to do is drive the ball 27 yards here and the game's going to be tied. Look at this. I'm magical. Brady's magical. Rodgers never has that. There's never that guy to go, you know, we can't expect this 49ers defense good. So one of us will make a play. It's always on Rodgers. And that's what we saw again a little bit in this football game. Rodgers and Adams. Adams has 35 yards on the first drive of the game. And then after that, it's like, okay, all right, well, he gets a ball here and there. But that's all they got. It's all they got. And that's my problem with the Green Bay. I'm sorry. Chris Volkman says, uh, I was wondering whether you think the great receivers will always give you an edge or do they potentially lower the outcome for the team as a group? Adams is awesome, but does he keep Rodgers from distributing the ball and taking what's given? Well, I think they're a little bit that way as far as they want to feature one guy. But I also think they don't have really another guy that really scares a defense or does anything enough to be like that person. There was that last throw when he uh, he bombed it to Devontae into double coverage. Right. Remember that? Bad and decision. You looked at the tape. And yeah. Alan Lazard is open there for he should have hit the in cut. Huge it's game. the same fucking play the Rams hit for the. It's the same play. They run the post with an in cut, but it's just a little different coverage as far as how the 49ers and Bucks played it. But yes. That's one where Rodgers is going to look at that play and go, damn, I had time. I didn't need to throw it that quickly. And if I just kind of pat the ball one more time and assess the defense, he's going to hit Lazard on the in cut for a huge gain. He's uncovered. They basically blitzed everybody and played cover three. And two guys went with the post, so nobody was there on the in cut, right, if that makes any sense. And, yeah, that's one where he's going to look at it and be disappointed. But that's, again, here we go. It's – that play, oh, it was, just, it was just that one. You didn't make that play. It's, it's just, again, it's always about he's got to make this play, that play. You know, there's, who's, the second, who's the second guy on the team? They can't run the ball again. The 49ers are playing pass defense the whole night. But Packers can't run the ball. This is where I get into this. Like, let's break it down. Who's got a better offensive line? 49ers. Who's got a better defensive line? 49ers. Who's got better receivers? 49ers. Who's got better running backs? Okay, Packers. But it's it's equaled out because the 49ers run game is so special. And with DJ, DJ and Debo and E. Yeah, 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 right? Yeah. So and, it's very even. Well, and Dylan got hurt in this game, which right. could have been the difference. So you could say advantage 49ers there. All right, secondary. All right, I'll give it to the Packers for sure. Safety's close, though. Corners, Packers. Yes. Linebackers. Packers for sure. All right, so you said that the Packers running backs, they might have a better 
running back talent wise, the system might be better with Shanahan. But this Definitely. is a question from Project FX right. that says no one seems to be talking about the Aaron Jones seventy five yard catch before halftime. He catches the ball and instead of running towards the sideline, he runs to contact. Agreed. He definitely scores there, and it's a different game. What do I, you think? I, I, I mean, I agree with that. I don't understand, you know, <clears throat> that was a big tackle by, who was that, Jaquaski Tard who, who came, came down? from the opposite yeah. side of the field. Yeah, I mean, and Aaron Jones, it's like field. he didn't trust his speed and just turn on the afterburners from the get-go. It's like he caught it and was like, I'm not sure I can outrun him, so I'm going to run about 90% and look to make a cutback. But, yes, I am, I am with – the questioner here. Who was this one? Who, Project FX. Yeah, Project FX. I'm with you and the fact that I thought he dropped the ball, too, by not pressing the sideline a little bit. Force the guy to run really hard to catch you and cut off the angle. Then you can hit the brakes and make a play off of that. But, yes, that was a big moment. And to me, again, you know, listen, I'm going to sound like a Green Bay hater here once again. I get that. I am. But uh, this is where, like, I know we Aaron Jones is great. I get it. He's a really good player. I just go, I feel like the other top running backs in football would have scored there. I'm just sorry. If that was Nick Chubb in that spot, Dalvin Cook, you know, who else do we want to add? Jonathan Taylor? They're all, they're all scoring. You know, it's, it's, again, Aaron Jones, everybody tries to tell me, well, they, Aaron Jones, they're paying him $10 million a year. They're splitting the carries with A.J. Dillon with them. He's obviously not that amazing to where they go, you got to be there all the time. But, yes, that was a huge moment. That was a huge sequence in general. Jimmy G throws a stupid interception. Then Green Bay gets, hey, we stop him. Now it's third down. Nobody's been open since the first drive. Nobody's open on this play except Rodgers escapes the play. Aaron Jones continues up the sideline. He hits it. And to get nothing out of that drive was huge. Again, that was the block field goal and all of that. So, you know, I I get to it again to where – Packers probably should have won the game in a lot of ways. I understand that. But I do look at these games a lot of the times and go, it, it comes down to players and who makes like these big plays at big moments. Just like we saw last night with Mahomes and Allen. That's why it was amazing. They just kept answering it. You know? And to me, the 49ers have a few more studs. And, you know, I want to get back to, like, forget it. Let's just keep going. What were you going to say? Well, I, I, I feel like, that. It's like well, a tease. we had our little our breakdown with our audio for a second, so we had to stop down for a second. But we like we had the question from, you know, at Chris Vogdman, right, about the Goldman? receivers yeah, and Devontae yeah. Adams. Yes. You know, no. You know, I, I didn't get to uh, really emphasize that. So this is, to me, you need other great receivers. You know, they're too dependent on one guy. Rodgers is going to go the right place with the ball. It's just too easy to take away the other guys because none of them are that special. And then they formulate so much around Adams that if the defense starts to take away Adams, there's just nobody else there to deliver or make a play. So that's not the case. Like the Bengals, with their receivers, they're doing okay. Like if Jamar Chase isn't open, he throws to T. Higgins, and it's a good play. And then if T. Higgins isn't open, he throws to Boyd, and we go, oh, that's a good play. And then if Chase and Higgins and Boyd aren't open, we go, oh, look, he checked it down to Joe Mixon. It was a good play. So – no, with these type of quarterbacks, you want weapons. You need the more the merrier. And look at the 49ers. It's Debo Samuel, Ayuk, and George Kittle. It's a pretty good three. Better than the Packers three. So uh, that's why you need in these type of games something else. 
And to me, it can't just be Rodgers and Adams all the time. Well, and a lot was made about the 49ers and the slow start on offense. They went three and out their first four possessions. They ended up with only five three and outs in the game. That was exactly the same amount as the Packers. The Packers ended up with five three and outs in the game. And I think we haven't given maybe proper respect or uh, enough individual respect to the 49ers defense. Uh, Paul Kessler, 44, says, damn okay, 49ers defense. And D'Amico Ryans, not only this weekend, but being the best defense the last three weeks in the NFL. And I will give a shout-out to Eric Armstead, who has played really well down the stretch. Right. I think some numbers point to him being one of the best, if not the best, defensive linemen stat-wise and pressure-wise in the NFL the past few weeks. And, and, and they were, once again. And the defensive backs held up enough, obviously, against against Aaron Rodgers in a tough task. They don't need to be. They're very smart. D'Amico Ryans is phenomenal. Damn okay to the whole 49ers defense. You know, they had plays. You know, again, this is still a defense rooted in Seattle 3, right, to a degree. But they don't play it a ton. And they do do some outside-the-box things that we don't see Seattle defenses do a whole lot. They will double a Devontae Adams. You know, they will play some crazy blitz zone coverages and things like that. So that's where they're awesome, and D'Amico Ryans is awesome. Those two guys up front, you know, hey, Rashawn Gary, I want to give him credit for Green Bay. But, I mean, Armstead and Bosa – they were phenomenal. They were the two best defensive linemen on the field. Again, they were around Rodgers and made him make quick decisions all night by rushing four for the, for the most part of the night. That's what they did. Uh, so that, that, that's where they are very good. You add that to the creativity of what they do on the defensive side of the ball. And that's where, again, damn okay, Chris Sims, I've been trying to tell everybody that the 49ers could be in the NFC Championship and can go to a Super Bowl. Their defense is the best defense left. It's the best defense in football. Better than the Rams. I'm going to take it just a little bit over the Rams. It's, it's very close. It's very close. The, the 49ers have a little bit more of a size element that I think translates to all teams in case they run on them, mm-hmm. right? But it's really close between those two. And they have, again, guys that can flip the script in a hurry. And that's where, you know, that's where I, I feel bad for Rodgers. Because people are going to look at this, and still it's going to be back on Rodgers, 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 Rodgers. And I'm going to go, I listen, I know it wasn't like wow and just an amazing performance, but it was a good enough performance to win against that football team. And like I'm trying to tell you right now, they're not as good or as talented as the 49ers. The only reason we think that is because he plays quarterback for the Packers. And uh, I, I hope everybody can realize that. So let's end this the same way we ended the Bucks conversation. Yeah. What's the future for one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers? Obviously, it wasn't a slam dunk that he was going to come back and play this year for the Packers. Don't know. A lot of the chatter seems to be saying that he's made up with some of the people in the front office. Seems that way. And so maybe he's on better terms. But he was noncommittal after the game. I don't know. What's your gut telling you? My gut tells me he'll still be there as long as they can keep the team pretty much intact. Like, you know. That might be hard. And that's where it's going to be. over the cap. $30 something over the cap. Might have to pay him more money. Definitely have to pay Devontae Adams more money. You know, like to see them get another weapon at receiver. Right, so if they do, uh, you're already saying they're talent deficient. If they have to pay these guys more money, then you're going to be even more talent deficient. It's just the, the it's the risk he's going to. This is the decision he's going to have to make. Do I want to go? Do I want to stay here in a place where I know we're still going to be good? You know, but not sure so talented that we're definitely going to win the Super Bowl. But we're going to be good and probably win the North and be in the playoffs. Like, yeah, you got that. You got something set up. Or do you roll the dice and try to go to a place where you go, they got more talent, and 
there's more potential here, but it's a risk. And it's a new place for me, and i got to learn a new offense and move my life and do all of that. That's where I, it, the, the decision will come to him. I think ultimately he's going to stay. But if it gets to the point where they got to start blowing the team up to a degree, like the question he got in the postgame press conference, yeah. I think there is a limit to where he's going to look at it and go, wait, I want to come back, but like, if this is the way the team's going to be, I, I have better options. And so th- that's where it's going to be interesting to see is just what the Packers management does here to help the team and, and smooth it over to make it look appealing for him to come back. Nick Bosa for Aaron Rodgers. So. <laughs> right. to get creative with some of these teams. You oh, know, this is what's amazing. The, pa- the 49ers, anymore. as much as I want to give them credit and amazing, what's amazing is the drama they're setting themselves up for here too. They go to the Super Bowl and win with Jimmy G. They're going to have Jimmy G as their quarterback next year, and you're going to have traded three first-round picks for a guy that's not going to play for you for three years. Years. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing, but you got to go for it while you get while you can. And damn okay to the 49ers, my buddy Kyle Shanahan. And do we got a photo of my man uh, Richard Peanut. Peanut Hightower? There he is. There's the my line. man. There's he is Peanut. A smaller guy. So wait, what position did he play? He was a walk-on special teams kind of wide receiver guy, right? Really smart. And his senior year, they gave him a uh, a scholarship. Oh, cool. As a, as a walk-on. But the man really is. And he's been with Kyle for a long, long time and done a great job. And You know, these special teams yeah. coordinators we've seen, Joe Judge and John Harbaugh. Basaccia. Basaccia. They're getting some head coaching. Games. I know. Maybe he'll get a little He's got the there. kind of personality. He's really? my kind of guy. He did, He is, no doubt about it. He's a great coach. He's loyal as hell, and he's doing a great job. All right. Congratulations to Peanut. Congratulations to the 49ers. They're moving on to play in L.A. once again. Winner goes to the Super Bowl right there. In the same, they don't even have to leave again. I wonder if they can go back home isn't that crazy let's just stay here i mean the year the last time they beat the bucks in the playoffs 1979 they actually played in the home super bowl that year it was just at the rose bowl it Mm. wasn't at their stadium Mm. but just a little fun fact for you 79 rams beat the bucks in the nfc championship game rams lost the pittsburgh steelers but it was a la super bowl I was, thought that was that a little, I was born that year so a little nice little tidbit to tie it all together for you uh all right so final game thanks for the tidbit History. You know I need my history. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll immediately forget it because my memory is not that good. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, The Bengals beat the Titans 19-16, another walk-off field goal. This one, Evan McPherson, who's been on fire. Maybe we'll give him a little bit love a little bit later. But I would like to start this. Joe Burrow was awesome. He continues to be clutch, even getting sacked nine times in the game and still making plays. This, I think, has officially been the podcast of Ryan Tannehill. We have been a supporter, a vocal supporter of Ryan Tannehill. And so that game on Saturday, that was a rough day for us because I think we've been more supportive of him than perhaps even Titans podcasts that have been out there. Right. Uh, Three interceptions in this one, the last one leading to the game-winning field goal. I don't think... I mean, I think he still made some big plays in this game. The two touchdown drives, obviously, he made the big throw on the touchdown pass. Yeah. And the other touchdown drive made a big 41-yard pass to A.J. Brown. Right. The field goal 
drive, big play to Brown in the middle, too. He made some big plays in this game. Yes, he did. I don't think all the interceptions were terrible. Right. What do you think? People are calling this a disaster for Ryan Tannehill. Would you classify it as that? It's borderline. Okay. It is. I'm a defender. I mean, I made the mistake of defending him during the game and and getting myself shit on on Twitter (laughs) just because a little of that, like, you know, just the – the black and white approach of like, oh, he threw an interception. He sucks now. And so it's just like, come on. It's where, you know, and of course I'm eating shit for it now. I understand that. But like, no, he, he deserves a lot of blame here. He does. You got the better football team. First play of the game. Play action. Your coach is giving you a little of the green light to be aggressive. Okay, don't be stupid aggressive. Don't just stare a guy down the whole time to where the free safety just – Never has to hold his ground at all. Just makes a break on it. Never has to break his stride. Boom. You know, understand that you're the, you are the better team. You know, that you're not the team that's like, oh, sexy, and we're supposed to win 30 to 10. No, you're the Titans. You're the team that's supposed to win like 20 to 13. 20, that's what you are. So that's where I think he dropped the ball. You're, all interceptions were in his fault. I mean, the second interception, Hilton. Great play. Great play. Great play. Now, what I'll play into that, too, is, you know, not Tannehill's fault. To me, more of I think the Bengals knew that was their answer. I mean, the way they play defense on that play. Oh, wait, it was a run play called. They see the guy blitzing off the edge. They go, oh, wait, we don't have the numbers to block the run, so let's throw the ball out there. They were very ready for the throw out there, Hilton included, of course, and that's why he got his hands up. But even looking at the guy who had come down and cover the receiver, he was ready from the get-go. They were getting ready. Wait, wait, they're going to throw it out here because we're blitzing and they can't run their run play. That was something that certainly jumped out to me throughout the day as the Bengals being all over some of the, the Tennessee stuff. But that interception I can live with, mm-hmm. even though it was a big moment and you're sitting there going, man, you know, I think that at that moment it was what? it Was, was it 16-9? to nine? I believe it was 16 to 9, right? Uh, if I remember correctly there. Exactly. When they drove down, I got to look. Wait, I got this here. Hold on, hold on. I got to, I got to, uh, uh, yes, it was. It was 16 to 9, right? And they went down. The Bengals went down, made it 16 6. I'm wrong. I'm wrong somewhere. It was 16 9, either way. Okay, we can cut that out. There are too many. We can't cut that out. No, is, fine. No but either way, here. second interception wasn't as bad. You can live with it even yes. a big moment. Interceptions one and three are stupid. Interception three? Three? I mean, you got, tw- what, 20 seconds left in the game. You're just trying to get do anything you can. You're trying to be aggressive, which I like. I like teams that are aggressive at the end of regulation trying to win the game. Um, it was a tie game. And so you're trying to, like, hey, let's win it because we don't want this to come down to a coin toss in overtime and maybe we won't get the ball. Could be part of the thought process. But I do like the fact that they were aggressive. I don't mind it. You just have to have an aggressive – you have to – the aggressive play call is fine. The aggressive decision by him is not fine. You're at midfield. It's third and five. There's 20 seconds left in the game. The only way you lose the game is you make too aggressive a decision and throw an interception. It's the only way you lose right there, at least. All right? You punt the ball, it's definitely going to overtime. I mean, come on. This was a game that uh, you could punt the ball and go into overtime and feel good about your chances. I mean, come on, the Titans' defense suffocated the Bengals at times in this game. You know, that's where, and I feel like in the Titans' game and a little of the 49ers-Packers game, it was a little bit of the lesson of, like, you know, it's not always about winning the game. It's just about don't screw the game up. 
And I feel like that's the Packers and Titans had a little bit of that going on in this football game. Not trying to take away anything from the Bengals or the Niners, yeah. but I think that's the real objectivity of it. I think if you look at it, in some big situations, the Titans really messed the football game up. To give some credit to the Bengals, and specifically on the defensive side, yeah, some great plays on the interceptions. They made those plays happen. No doubt. But they made them happen. That's the difference, too. Yes. It's not like, oh, it was a normal just garden-variety tackle and the guy fumbled the ball. Or like garden variety, the guy's wide open and he drops the ball and it pops in the air and it's interception. Right. Or overthrows him by three feet. Right. This and, was like, yeah. you. I think you said it right. They made it happen. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. But I think there's two plays that are getting overlooked a little bit by the Bengals' defense, and it was midway through the fourth quarter. Tennessee had the ball. They were driving. Tie game. Have a chance to go for the go-ahead touchdown or, or field goal there at the 35. And they had third and one. Tannehill kind of did a little keeper, tried to get the first down. And then a fourth and one, they gave it to Derrick Henry and got the stop. Yes. That was huge. Huge. That, I mean, that, that was where it seemed like the Tennessee Titans, they got the touchdown to tie it up. It's a 16-16 game. One seed, here we go. They're going to win. Momentum in their favor. And that totally changed the tide uh, from that point forward. I mean, the Bengals didn't do anything with it there. But still, I mean, I think if Tennessee scores there, they're feeling pretty comfortable. No doubt. I mean, stopped them. Stopped them from getting points. So, I mean, you know, bottom line. Could have kicked the field goal, kind of went for the jugular, thought they were going to overpower the Bengals in the run game. You know, that brings me to another point in this game. Yes, a big play. Here's another thing that's jumped out to me so far about the Bengals. You heard me maybe during the regular season, right? I, I talk about the one thing that bothers me about the Bengals' defense is they got good talent. They can just be a little simple and predictable. And the playoffs so far, that has not been the case. And – they made a lot of big plays through their chaos and being creative and blitzing two guys and dropping two guys and doing all the things we talk about, successful defense, disguising coverages a little bit more. You know, They had defended the, the, the run well. That was a big play right there. and It definitely was. A big play, and then with my other point I want to go to, just hitting and make, make sure we hit the Bengals there and gave their defense some love because this is the second week in a row. They've been good. But the other thing, too, is – the Titans dropped the ball and giving the ball to Derrick Henry too much. I was going to ask you about that. They definitely like, did. Is there a chance yes. that they lost this game because Derrick Henry was back? <sighs> they put too many eggs or put, put too much in the trust tree for me. You know, again, I know he's Derrick Henry. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a game changer. I get that. Doesn't mean he's a game changer when he hasn't played football in 10 weeks. And he's not in football shape or doesn't have normal football explosion. There's no way he can. He had a broken foot. So how much sprinting and running was he doing? Yes, I know he's gotten to practice the last two weeks under, you know, again, guidelines too. He was limited in practice. They never gave him the full workload. So how can you be in shape and your total explosive self with that formula right there? And that, to me, is where I do think Tennessee gave him a little too much respect and where I want to go, wait. Are we watching the same game? Because when Deontay Foreman gets in the game, he has another gear that Derrick Henry did not. He had four carries, and almost each one of them was more explosive than the last. And I don't care about the yards. right? The look of it looked more explosive. He was a different guy. Henry did not have the same explosion, which led to him not being as explosive to the line of scrimmage in short yardage situations that hurt them as a team. So, yeah, I do think they dropped the ball and not giving the ball to Foreman, who's – 
had a hot hand down the stretch of the season running the ball. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a mistake by Vrabel and company. Yeah, it kind of they, they changed the game plan. It was like, we got to feed him, got to feed him. And, and that was something that they didn't have to think about the last few weeks. And, of course, why wouldn't you want to with Derrick Henry back, hoping he was 100%, but didn't look 100%. And I was bumbling at that point with the interception with Hilton. It was. It was 16-6. It was 9-6 to at halftime. Yeah. Bengals went on their best drive of the game to start the second half, right? They went down and they got a score touchdown, 16-6. Looks like the Titans are about to answer right back. You know, Tannehill, I think, had thrown the big throw to, to Brown down the middle on that drive. I, I'm, I'm getting confused. But either way, then that interception happens, and it's still a two-score football game. That was a big moment in the game. So leave that in, Pete, from earlier in the podcast. Leave it in. We didn't know. But, but here's also know. awesome, amazing performance by the Bengals. They're, you know, again, a young team. Yeah. First time in the playoffs. Wow. I will say this. I've never seen a team get to the Super Bowl – or win an AFC championship game and have their offensive line look like that in a divisional playoff game. I mean, was, I'm just going to yeah. raise the question. Yeah. not going to say it can't happen, <laughs> but I've never seen a Super Bowl team have any playoff performance where their offensive line gets steamrolled to that capacity. Yeah, that was. I know good. Burrow held the ball a little sometimes, but you saw it, right? Credit to Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons is a beast. Didn't Landry. make the Pro Bowl, but made the All-Pro team. Makes no sense. Yeah, Harold Landry, Danico Autry, Bud beast. Dupree. They, I beast. Mean, that's a good unit. That's a good unit. This is not an isolated game for the Bengals. They've had a hard time no. protecting Joe Burrow. No doubt. But now you're on the road against Kansas yeah. City this week with that group, too. That's where it gets scary. But th- that's rare. Jake TC, yeah. 2001, says, Damn, okay, Joe Burrow, do you know how many quarterbacks that can be sacked nine times and not be phased at all? I wouldn't want anyone else to be the quarterback of my team. That's what. That's why he's amazing, you know. It, to me, it's this new, rare, young quarterback. I think Mahomes and Allen are a little like this too. They can be unfazed by it, you know. You see more, more times than not through the history of time when you see a quarterback after he gets hit a few times and sacked four or five times, it takes him out of his rhythm. He starts looking at the pass rush. What's amazing about Burrow is you never feel that way. You're like, oh, it's the seventh time in a row he's been sacked. He still does in the next pass play. You look back like you go, oh, he's jumpy now. Look at him. He's jumpy. Oh, he can't see downfield. He's, he's worried about that. That's what's amazing about Burrow. He just kind of keeps going. You're going, uh, he's playing like he hasn't been touched all game, even though he's been crushed for the last two quarters. Really special. And, again, the, the players. You know, I think we get into it a little again. You know, it's one thing I think if you want to talk about common themes of the weekend, the teams that won, their stars made some plays. You know, oh, we're backed up. Throw a screen to that guy over there, number one. Zoom. He runs up the sidelines for 60 yards. Puts him in field goal position. You know, takes pressure off your team. You know, hey, Burrow, Higgins, Jesse Bates, mix an awesome touchdown run. Je- uh, you know, yeah, those, I mean, those plays right there. And, and, and Mike Hilton, one of the best nickelbacks in football. Their big players made some big plays in the game. That was one thing that I think really jumped out to me about Divisional Weekend is, you know, the teams that won had their stars kind of pop up at the right time. Our good friend Tomas Pena says, for the next eight years, there will be no connection more lethal than Burrow to Chase. Tell me why I'm crazy. No, I don't think you're crazy. I don't. I don't see one on the horizon to that capacity. Chase is just so – I mean, like, he catches the – it looks different. It's, he's kind of like a, a Delvin Cook in that it's like when he gets the ball, it's like, wow. Wow. Why is everyone so slow? Yeah, I know, right? And it sometimes it doesn't look like he's trying that hard. You're right. like, is he really running full speed? Yeah. Because nobody's catching him, but he doesn't look like he's trying that hard. Um, I think it's – for my money, I don't – 
you know, after watching this season and things change, you know, year to year, it's the NFL. Mahomes, Hill, similar. Very similar. I, I, I think the two best receivers in football, though, as I sit here and we encompass the whole year, are, are Debo Samuel and, and Jamar Chase. With Cooper Cup coming right up the rear, I understand that. Mm. But I think these two are more weapons. You know, again, like we saw there, you know, it takes a special guy to catch a zero-yard pass and get a 60-yard gain or a 10-yard out route and an 80-yard touchdown. And that's where Chase is, is really special, and that's why he's already in the best wide receiver in football convo. I mean, what a great story the Bengals are. Joe Burrow becomes the first quarterback drafted number one overall to win a divisional round playoff game within his first two seasons. I mean, they were a last-place team last year and get in, and now they're one went away from the Super Bowl. Unlikely they're going to get that. I think they're seven-point underdogs right now going into Kansas City. Yeah, okay. The way they, they protected. But, but who knows if the game is close late. Our guy Evan McPherson, the 22-year-old, from Alabama who went to Florida, can kick in the cold. It didn't affect him at all. Rookie what a day. weapon. They used a draft pick on him, so they what knew he a could weapon. be a weapon. He was right. a fifth-round pick in his rookie year. He is now 4-for-4 four four in both of his career playoff games, so 8-for-8, eight eight, and two of them from 50-plus yards. And at the end of the game, I'm screaming because I hate when coaches do this. They, they settle for long field goals at the end of the game. I'm like, why are you settling for a 50-yard field goal like it's some sort of guarantee? Well, I guess for McPherson, I guess it is kind of a guarantee because he made that look easy. But I'm like, give him another 10 yards. Make it a little easier. But they knew what they were doing. And he, yeah, he's a weapon. Right? It's automatic. He's cocky as hell. Did you hear what Joe Burrow said like about him? No. He, he said before he went out to kick, he goes, he said he was like stretching and on the sideline getting ready. He goes, well, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> I mean, that's fucking golden. Yeah. And then the great kickers I've been around, which I was fortunate enough to be around a few, that's that's how they are. They have a cockiness about them where you go, it's really fucking annoying sometimes on a Wednesday in the locker room, but it's great on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when we're getting ready to play for a game because yeah. I feel like we're going to win. Like, you cocky bastard on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the rest of the week you're like, I'm glad this fucking guy's cocky and fearless. <laughs> this mean, guy seems yeah. to have it. He really does. I mean, football's in a really good place, especially in the AFC if you just look at that. What? Right? The I mean, quarterbacks? Like the Bills are a fun team right. with a good quarterback. Right. Bills are a fun team with a good quarterback. Chiefs, obviously, a fun team with a good Got quarterback. Got Herbert and the Chargers coming up the rear. Yes. Yeah, there's a, lo- there's a lot to like, and there's no doubt about it. Could I mean, passing of the torch to the AFC being the more interesting I, conference. I kind of was saying that Brady, during the, early in the year. Rogers. Yeah, I said that all the quarterbacks in the AFC, it was something I was going, it's just amazing what they got on that side of the ball right now, or that side of the conference in, in the NFL. One thing Burrow's got to be smarter with, the sacks and fringe red, red zone area, right? Yeah. You know, he had too many in this game knocked where him knocked him out of field goal range. range, I think two different times, where you went, man, this type of game, you know, with that kind of kicker, yeah. you got to keep that in your mind. Go like, okay, wait, there's, I, there's, there's magic, but there's got to be a line of demarcation to go, okay, I can make magic, but I'm not going to scramble any farther behind the 41-yard line. At some point, if I get to the 40, I'm just going to go down, whatever. you got to have some thought of that a little. You do that this week against Kansas City, you won't win the football game. All so right. that's where it's big. But either way, great win by them. Not a whole lot of people are going to pick the Bengals to win in that game in Kansas City. But you'll wait. You'll, you'll look at the matchups, and you'll make your picks later on. I picked the Niners. I was happy about that. I picked the Rams. Did you, I'm back to did 500 you? On, NBA, on Sunday Night Football. That's huge. What huge. I was, nine, I was four and 11. And I'm 11 and 11 now. Wow. I believe. I think that's all right. I was definitely 4 and 9 at one point. I believe I went to 4 and 10. 
But yes, and now you'll get the Super Bowl. Now I can go 500. above 500. Right. So I'm working hard, baby. And you can rub it in Rodney's face because we mentioned last time on this podcast that during our Peacock show, remember that? You Rodney. really think the 49ers yeah. can well, Chris, go to I'm Green Bay? You, something. you really think the 49ers can come here? And for most of that game, it looked like no. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> did. Seriously. What, what an unbelievable weekend. It really was. A lot of fun. Uh, that's why we always root for the best eight teams to get in. You know, divisional weekend, when you get the best eight teams, you get the best four games, and that was, that was really amazing. It right, really so, was. So we don't know who you're going to pick yet to go no. to the Super Bowl, but we do have the odds from our friends over at PointsBet on who is most likely to be Super Bowl MVP. Don't know who's going to be there yet, but you can bet on it right now. What happens yeah. if your guy doesn't and, even go to the Super Bowl? Do you I, get your money back? No, you lost it, it forever. And, hey, I mean, you know, yeah. was, I yeah. hit both of my Sims booster bets last weekend, too. OBJ hit the over. Ooh. A.J. Brown hit the over. I mean, download the points bet app and get the Sims booster bet, all right? All right. Out of this right here. So here's what it is. If you're listening, we got uh, Patrick Mahomes is the favorite right now, plus 170. Then you have Matthew Stafford, plus 320. Jimmy Garoppolo, plus 750. Joe Burrow after that. And then you get Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Debo, Aaron Donald, and then Elijah Mitchell at plus 4,000. Well, I understand Stafford being ahead of Garoppolo, even though they might not even be favored to win against the 49ers. You just figure if the Rams do get there, Stafford has a better chance of being the MVP than Garoppolo. The 49ers are favored? No, no, no. no. Rams oh, are Rams favored are by favored. three and a half. All right. Yeah, Rams are favored by three and a half. Okay. But- but yeah, if if the 49ers get there, I think that Debo Samuel. A hundred percent. I'm if you're a 49ers fan and got some extra change, I'm with you. That was the name I looked at to go. If you think the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl, my experience would tell me that would be one there. The quarterback's not going to do it. It'll be Debo Samuel with an unbelievable receiving game along with the rushing yards and a touchdown or two that'll take away a good game from Jimmy G, but everybody will look at it and go, Debo was really the MVP of the offense. Because I think other two players on there who are skilled guys who could win MVP theoretically are Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. But right. if they go off big, I Mahomes would go off. Exactly. That's, yeah. where, that's where it hurts them is because you're right. If they go off big, we're going to go, well, Mahomes probably threw for 410 and four touchdowns. <laughs> so right. he's going to get the MVP. Right. You can't do that. You know, same thing for Stafford. Hey, Cooper Cup, all of them, but have a hard time thinking if they have a good day, Cup doesn't throw for similar stat line to what we saw. It's going to be good either way. It's going to be interesting once again, too. I mean, it's weird where the AFC, back to the quarterback thing, uh-huh. you got these magic guys. And I think like after last night, everybody's just like, well, whoever won against Mahomes and Allen, whoever won that game, they're going to go to the, win the Super Bowl. You can't beat those two guys. And I want to go, no, the two teams in the NFC are built as far as the kryptonite to stop the magical quarterback with those pass rushers and those guys they got in the front seven. So Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, whatever, either one of them, any of them get to the Super Bowl, yeah, you can pull magic off. I don't know if you can pull magic off against the 49ers or the Rams with two weeks off getting ready to prepare that game. That's where there's, there's something waiting for these guys. Burrow, Mahomes, whoever wins, he's going to have the Rams or 49ers, and they're going to look at it and go, damn, of all the teams i got to play, I can pull Magic off against everybody, but it's going to be one of these two teams with all these fucking freaky guys up front, <laughs> and that's where it's really going to be awesome no matter what. I think we're pretty much guaranteed of a good Super Bowl that's what matchup. I was, thinking. I was like, what yeah. would I want the most? I right. don't know. I'm trying Do you to wanna, think. I asked my wife and my kid this last night. Yeah. They thought the coolest thing would be Chiefs 49ers rematch. You know, what, yeah. I, I mean, it, I guess I would agree. Rams-Chiefs would also be awesome, too. Yes. 
than the fact that all the stars the Rams have, home Super Bowl. Bengals are the one team where you feel like it's almost too soon for them. It's a like, little soon, the but they're still be, good storylines. The Bengals would be cool if they were in the game going against Green Bay or Tampa, you know, trying to beat off a world beater. Like, gotcha. I think that's where it would be kind of. Gotcha. If it was like 49ers, Bengals, it's kind of like, oh, both are probably pretty happy to be at this and i mean it would be crazy at the 49ers and Bengals. the Bengals went to the super bowl twice they had to play the 49ers both times (laughs) here they go again they might have a chance to do that yeah Yeah. rams Bengals probably is the weirdest matchup for sure but but you got yeah you got you got coaching staffs here you got the mcveigh shanahan zach taylor comes from mcveigh mcveigh came from shanahan you know it's it is unbelievable that way and uh you know even if you got Bengals Rams super bowl you still got Chase and I mean, Cup. You can't and get a bad one. Odell and Higgins, and you just got stars everywhere. So I think we're guaranteed to have a fun Super Bowl no matter what. Aladdin Bust You says victory lap. Chris called it, said he could see the Bengals and the Niners making the championship games before the playoffs started. Thank you. I appreciate it. I just want everyone to give me a little love every now and then. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, you know, again, a year this wide open, these two teams had the talent to get there. I'm not shocked to see it. Uh, but, uh, man, amazing. Amazing week. Hope everybody enjoyed the pod. You no, want anything on. else? Oh, yeah. We oh, got to put teams in the ground. We got to put teams in the ground. We Damn it. Them. Sorry. I got to dig some holes here. Here we go. Dig some holes. Six feet under. We got four teams we got to put in there. And then I got to fix college football overtime real quick. Oh, so that's got, right. I forgot. Damn, things, look so. at me. See, I got to look at the outline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're ready. Uh, Kristen, do we, oh, we do have the music. Even though we switched everything to Olympic mode, still able to fire up the music. All right, here lie the Tennessee Titans. We'll do the Titans first here. This team was very amusing, especially when Derek was cruising. The last time I checked, they get no respect for being one of the best playoff teams at losing. Right? <laughs> Three years in a row. They do it pretty well. Right? Well, I mean, yeah, they do. Unfortunately, they Man. get here. You know, it's better than they most get teams here. can say. They get here. They won. A wild card game. Yep. Won a divisional game. Yep. Lost a championship game. And now they've lost wild card, lost divisional. So, yeah, two two game losing streak for them. And my Detroit Lions can't even sniff any of that. So, no. You know, they no. should be proud of that. All right. This one comes from a, a Twitter follower, a homie, Rob Taglia, sent in his own poem on the Tampa Bay Bucks. Wow. So, I'm going to use it. Awesome. Right. Copyright infringement. This is right. I'm, I'm a surprise. What a lazy take by you. Giving, uh, I saw it and I was like, that's perfect. I haven't done one yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is from Rob. Since the Rams broke the spell they were under that caused nearly too many a blunder. We'll see Brady harassed. Tom, was that game your last? For a bit. He'll keep letting us wonder. Ooh. Well written. Well written. Good I job. like it. Good job. Yeah, the perfect prose in there, yeah, too. Yeah, that was almond quality right Pentameter there. Pentameter was yeah. on point. Ooh, yeah, I is. love me some Pentameter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here lie the Buffalo Bills. Thanks, Rob, for that last one. This team was on an incredible roll, but ultimately fell short of their goal. This year, a Buffalo tradition will not come to fruition of losing in the Super Bowl. Right? I mean, that <laughs> yeah. was a big for yeah. when I grew up. That's what they did. They lost in the Super Bowl. Like they got there, but they lost. They'll be there soon. They'll be there soon. They're they're falling short of their tradition. And finally, here lie the Green Bay Packers. Their special teams has been chastised. The game plan should have been revised. The Rodgers jokes were fun, but what more could he have done? For God's sakes, the man's been immunized. (laughs) Right? I mean, come on. 
Not immunized from the criticism. <laughs> it's so uh, funny how and well done by you. Thank you. All right. You're all you guys, Titans, Packers, Bucks, Bills, you're dead. You're dead, dead you're to dead me. To you us. don't even exist anymore. All I'm right. Talk about you, ever you don't even fucking exist anymore on Chris Sims Button. You're gone. Um but it is funny with Rodgers and his year, tumultuous year. Crazy. Where I feel like everybody felt bad for him last year when they lost the Bucks. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, man, Brady's going to get to go again. I feel bad for Rodgers. He carries that team. Mm-hmm. There's not that sentiment this year. <laughs> no. I think people are like, oh, Rodgers lost again? Oh, yeah, there's a little bit, I feel like, of like, oh, screw him. And the way he acted, he deserved to lose. Definitely. Uh, so it, it's, it's, cha- it's funny how the, the tide changed on that conversation the there. Is- All right, real quick, let me fix college overtime. Please. This is, I thought about this when I was thinking about i got to think about overtime. this more, too, okay. so I could add in. I don't but like go it. Ahead. It just goes on for too long. Yeah. It's like each team needs a possession. So here we go. Team wins the coin toss. At that point, they choose if they want to go first or second for the entirety of overtime. The whole time. Gotcha. Okay? So team wins the coin toss. We'll go second. Okay? So round one happens. The team scores a touchdown first. You answer with another touchdown. All right. You go to round two here. Here's the problem, though. From after round one on, starting in round two, first touchdown wins. So the team that gets the ball first, if they score a touchdown first, they win. If they kick a field goal, the other team gets a chance to kick a field goal or score a touchdown. If they score a touchdown, the second team wins. Right. But you all, it's always can end at any point after that, after round number one. After round one. So I, I, know, I, I like what you're saying. So then in round one, yep. team, team two who scores a touchdown is going to think about going for two. Totally. Because they're going to go, wait, if they score a touchdown, we're done, so maybe we need to go to the win right here. That's interesting. I like that. So a lot could end in round one. Right. Incentivize teams to end it in round one. 100%. I, I, I understand where you're going there. I want to think about this stuff, too, and add into this. But I think you're on to something. This is where I think the homies need to start chiming in on this, too. Yes. That overtime rules for the NFL. we got to fix it. That just didn't feel right last night. It's the first time yeah. I'm ever saying that. Yeah. But I think with the offensive rules set up the way they are, uh, we're going to see continue to see this more and more, especially with these quarterbacks we got right now in the league. Where yeah. it's just like, hey, you're going to go, well, they're hot. It's the end of the game. Defenses are dead. And they're hot. That's just they're going to go down and score. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to see an Allen get the ball last night. All right. Well, that was the best four games we will ever talk about on this pod. That was deep. It's all downhill from here. All I mean, downhill. Like, never gonna be four we almost games. won 30 minutes a game. I mean, we did a good job. I'm saying we did about 25 minutes a game, so it was good. And we had a light malfunction in the middle of yep, it. Yeah, all because of my left knee. Yep, and my thighs, <laughs> my thunder thighs. Yeah. All right, everybody, stay up, stay good. You know where to find us. Wednesday, What the Fuck Happened podcast. Just subscribe, rate, review. Tell us how awesome we are or horrible. Either way, we can handle it, okay? And Ahmed, you the man. Well, Appreciate it for driving the, the ship, the truck, the car, I'm whatever it is. for a while doing Olympic stuff. Uh, I mean, I can't believe it. Can you, I, mean, I can't believe crucial it. Crucial point of the season. It's like the Olympics or Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast. What's more important? Do both. Not even a close call, in my opinion. But NBC has other... They got other dreams here. They go, Ahmed, put away your red pants and red hoodie. Peace out. Paul will be here for Wednesday. All right. Check us out. Wednesday, What the Fuck Happened podcast. Have a good week. Clap Clap it up. up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.